Business and Buckets fan, we are live, episode 16, coming at you on the hills of the Elite Eight, Sweet 16 action, doing my MLB season predictions. As you can see, I got my angel swag, getting ready for opening day. I'm so excited for baseball. I'm happy it's back, ready to rock. Hopefully, the Angels can bring this guy to the playoffs as he deserves. But before we jump into sports, let's talk a little bit about field supplements. I know here in Seattle, we had a nice sunny evening, and warm weather is right around the corner. That means less clothing and bathing suits and days on the water. So get your summertime shine with Field Supplements, Advanced Thermogenic and Feel Good Formula, Showtime. Showtime contains the only two clinically tested and patented ingredients scientifically proven to enhance thermogenesis. Uh, besides fat burning, Showtime also increases energy, boosts mood, and provides a sense of euphoria, suppresses appetite, and enhances mental clarity, focus, and concentration. For optimal results, stack with Counterattack, which I also use and love. So get yours exclusively at FueledSupplements.com. Don't forget to use my promotion code BUCKETS for 20% off anything you guys do. Again, buying supplements, check out Field Supplements. They got everything that you need, including Showtime and Counterattack. Um, if, you're, if you're buying from the big guys, support local business. It's people helping people. That's what we're all about. But let's talk shop. So episode 16, going to talk a little bit about the NFL free agency, a little bit about some draft things that are happening as we move closer and closer towards the end of the bigger free agents uh, being signed and towards the NFL draft. And the first thing that I saw this week that stuck out to me, which is super crazy, and I'll just call this the Tom Brady, the goat effect. Um, I, I saw it done with the Miami Heat when they had their big three, the veteran free agent signings. Shoot, even the Brooklyn Nets are doing this a little bit now. Uh, but with the Leonard Fournette re-signing, the Bucks will now become the first team in the salary cap era to bring back all 22 starters from their Super Bowl victory. Every single one of them. And they can still bring A.B. back, who's a free agent. Uh, I'm sure he's willing to take a discounted uh, cost to stay with the Buccaneers and do some damage. Um, I, I know he's been close to Tom Brady, was living with Tom Brady for a while. So I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back. But that's crazy. Uh, watch out, NFL. Tom Brady can do what he wants. He's the GOAT. And I hope that after he retires, this shit doesn't consistently happen because uh, that's a little bonkers. I got some things pulled up for uh, free agency, some rankings of players that are still available through NFL.com and, and CBS Sports. But a couple things that I saw on social media that's very intriguing. Um, Miami Dolphins draft picks for the next three years. In 2021, they have the sixth overall pick that they traded back with from the three spot and got moved back up with Philly, which I'm assuming they're going to take Jamar chase or, um, Devonta Smith for Tua, uh, you know, elite level receivers around him with, him with talent. They have the 18th overall pick this year. They have in the second round, the 36th and 50th picks. And then they also have a third round pick, the number 81st pick. And then, um, in 2022, they have the first round pick, second round pick, two thirds, and in 2023, first round, first round, second, third. So Miami, crazy build. Uh, obviously, it seems like they're going to put their power in Tua and surround him. But in the first three rounds, they have a ton of picks coming at you. So watch out. The Miami Dolphins are making splashes, trying to make moves. And then um, as this year's NFL draft comes close, the teams with the most pick is the Philadelphia Eagles. They have 11 picks in this year's draft. They're going to need them. The fewest picks 
and I'm always knocking the local team here. The Seattle Seahawks with three picks, and the most top 100 picks is Jaguars, Dolphins, and Jets, all tied with five picks. Uh, the teams with multiple firsts, Jaguars, Jets, and Dolphins. And then teams without a first pick, Texans, Rams, and Seahawks. Seahawks being from the Jamal Adams and Rams being from um, Jalen Ramsey. We talk about how impactful that can be. Um, the Seahawks tend to draft pretty shitty first-round picks anyways, but lack of drafts for some bigger names and some of those teams on their way up. Lots of picks, lots of action coming at you. But let's discuss Let's discuss uh, the, the free agents that we have. Um, I guess quickly before I do that, I'll touch on the 49ers trading up for Miami on the third pick. They're saying that they still want to live with Jimmy Garoppolo, but draft, they have one of these quarterbacks that they really like. Everyone's thinking Trey Lance as they already think it's Trevor Lawrence 1, Zach Wilson 2. So Trey Lance 3, some people think Mac Jones. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, in the division that they have, there's tons of edge rushers. The defense is a pretty brutal league. Um, I think they should draft linemen. They signed Trent Williams, who's a little bit older and injury-prone, to a bunch of money. This would guarantee them a, a high-level draft pick as a lineman because they were a little bit further back and potentially might not have got the better lineman available. Um, so who knows what's going to happen, but supposedly it's a quarterback. Um, you know, Shanahan's definitely uh, got a lot to do and, you know, as a big-time coach, needs to make something happen. Pretty much the whole coaching staff in that division, which is one of the most brutal things I've seen in a long time. We got uh, McVay, we have Shanahan, we have Pete Carroll. Like, they're all trying to make name for themselves, make moves. The edge rushers, you need to have your linemen, quarterback play. And, you know, debatably, the 49ers have the worst quarterback in the division now. So just lots of things going on. Um, you know, like I said, they, they think it's going to be Trey Lance. I think they should do linemen. Personally, they probably won't. Uh, as their brass has said, they like somebody, but uh, let's talk free agents. Some guys that are still available that if you're a football fan and you're like, damn, we could really use some positions. You know, this is the time teams get some bigger names on the down low, get them on the cheap um, and potentially uh, can get, you know, if you're the Buccaneers or a Super Bowl contending team, someone on a pretty minimal contract uh, just to help you win. And majority of the big names have been signed. Like, let's be honest, but According to CBS Sports, the number, the highest-ranked guy available is Melvin Ingram. Uh, he's 31 years old. We know what he's done as an edge rusher. I mean, this guy is the animal. He did come off injury, but I'm sure he'll help a contender as edge rushers are a commodity in the NFL. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, he's a lineman who played for the Steelers. Had a pretty piss-poor season last year. To me, honestly, I don't really want to re-sign him as a Steelers fan. He's 32 years old, uh, but I'm sure he'll go somewhere, if not the Steelers, on a very low uh, uh, team-friendly contract. Moving down to 45, we have Eric Wilson, a linebacker in his prime for the Vikings, a guy that I do like. And I feel like the secondary wave of pass rushers and linebackers are going to be probably the rest of this week, as it is today, uh, Tuesday, this March 30th. Um... We also have a center, Austin Ryder, for the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs had signed a, a few different linemen to bolster their offense. Um, obviously, you got to keep Pat Mahomes upright. Um, you know, potentially he can uh, return, uh, but I, I would assume somebody would want to hop on the Ryder train there. And then Russell Okung, the famous tackle trade away from the Seahawks. I can't remember for who at the time, um, but 32 years old, still has a lot left in the tank. Another lineman. Uh, Richard Sherman's still out there after a very good year, high performance at 33 years old. Uh, we have Alden Smith, edge rusher, big-time player, obviously had a few years off. He's only 31 years old. I would love 
him to go to a lot of different teams. Even, you know, staying with the Cowboys is a great fit. Uh, Brian Poole, the cornerback, 28 years old, solid corner. You know, I, I wish the Steelers had money to do that, but we just don't have the free agency money, but he's an animal. Ryan Kerrigan, edge rusher from Washington football team. He's always been one of my favorite edge rushers. I think he's highly, massively underrated. Uh, there's the likes of KJ Wright, big-time player for the Seahawks. He said he wouldn't take a team-friendly contract, but again, a lot of linebackers here, a lot of edge rushers that I expect to sign very soon. Uh, Brashad Breland, 29 years old, cornerback. Uh, James Conner, 25 years old, running back. I feel bad for the running backs, uh, even the receivers, with COVID and the salary cap being lower than teams expected before COVID. They're not getting you know very friendly contracts, especially the running backs. Marlon Mack, the guy that I was so hyped on free agency, returned to the uh, Indianapolis Colts two-year, like, two million or thing, or maybe one year, two million. Really cheap and expensive contract. Clearly, there's there's no um, service or want out there for James Conner. Uh, the Steelers had signed Kellen Balazs today, so I don't think he's even going to return to Pittsburgh. But great story, James Conner. He's still got some left in the tank. I hope he gets an opportunity somewhere. Uh, another names that I like, we have Antonio Brown, obviously, he's 32. And Malik Hooker, the safety for the Colts. I'm surprised that he's still available, and I'm sure he will be signed sooner than later. Um, there's still Jadavion Clowney available. Justin Houston still available. Eric Fisher, I think I talked about him. Corderell Patterson. Duke Johnson, 27. Let's see. Quentin Dunbar still available. Pretty inconsistent. Casey Hayward at 32. You know, he struggled a little bit last year, but he's not far removed from high-level play. Kwan Short, great D-tackle, uh, 32 years old. Everson Griffin, edge rusher, getting a little older, 33. Regardless, you get the point. There's still some playmakers still available, lots of linebackers, lots of edge rushers. And I, I expect these guys' market to formulate, especially once one or two of these backers go. It'll be a domino effect to see what these guys can get paid. But it's a definitely a difficult year for free agents with the salary cap situations at hand. Now, official news. I knew this was coming for a long time, but it's officially official. Uh, 17 games this season. <laughs> I saw an article that, hey, get ready for 18 games, 16. Thing, you know, it'll seem like a thing of a, from the long-lost past here in the future. Uh, what does more games mean? It means more money. That's all owners really want. I feel terrible for the players as it's hard to make it even through 16 games. Now they have 17 games. As a Steelers fan, the Steelers get to play the Seahawks which is another top-level team. Their schedule is already going to be massively brutal next year. I'm happy as a fan for that because it's most likely going to be in Seattle as they were in uh, Pittsburgh last. So being in Seattle, I get to watch the Steelers play. So that's you know the only benefit there. But again, brutal for the players, 17 games. I remember doing a... I remember if it was early college paper or late high school paper about the NFL and the income it brings to the specific cities um, and how it keeps the economies uh, at bay. And er, er, uh, Ray Lewis had an article saying, like, what do you guys think we are machines? Like, I'm one of the meanest, baddest man in the NFL, and I give my heart every single snap out there. Like, you're going to destroy uh, the heroes of the teams, and uh, I hope that never happens. And it's obviously his worst nightmare as it has been officially official. Some confusing moves thus far. We've talked about this a little bit, but the Las Vegas Raiders, what the hell are you doing? Uh, really dumped on some O-linemen. Uh, paying for Kenyon Drake when they have Josh Jacobs. I thought that was kind of a mystery. Um, they said they want to use him as a receiver. 
I mean, whatever Mayock and Gruden's got going on, either it's going to be a hot pot of mess or they're going to figure it out and surprise us all. But I'm just still super confused by the moves that they have going on. Um, some of the big moves I did like, I have talked about this, was the pa- the Patriots getting Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, multiple tight end combinations and packages. You know they love that. And if Cam Newton is indeed the starting quarterback uh, for the season, um, I-, I know he likes tight ends and it'll be easy for him to be able to roll out and get those tight ends in the open space. And uh, on the other end, the Patriots signed quite a bit of money for Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, who I do think, I like Bourne a little bit more, but Aguilar has been very up and down, very streaky. And for the money that they paid for them, I thought that was really kind of just made me very curious, especially for the Patriots who usually aren't as active in the free agent market. I don't know if the Tom Brady success has really pushed uh, Bill to try to put a team together right away or what's going on there. Um, Some moves I really liked. Anthony Harris, who's like a legend on the Vikings uh, secondary as a safety. The Eagles got him for $5 million. I would love to have Anthony Harris on my team for $5 million. So bravo, Eagles, shorting up your secondary there. And then Kyle Long to the Chiefs. It's you know one of the linemen that they were able to get coming out of retirement. They could potentially have one of the best tackles in the whole NFL. Um, obviously, he would only come out of retirement for a team probably like the Chiefs that are most likely going to go to the Super Bowl. And... One of the biggest questions, Washington football team's offense. They have added some pretty good talent, and I have their depth chart pulled up because it's kind of surprising, and I'm interested to see how it works in the dumpster fire of a division that they're in. But obviously they have uh, Taylor Heineke, who did well and was a fan favorite. They had signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. There'll be a camp battle there. Um you know, I would assume Fitzpatrick takes the job, but who knows? It might be like a two of Fitzpatrick half and half season here. Um, they have Antonio Gibson as a starter, obviously. J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber and Lamar Miller as backups. But Antonio Gibson with a massive year this year. They have Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, who they've had perform pretty well at Ohio State. Curtis Samuel they signed, another speedster who could do a little bit of everything. Uh, they added uh, Logan, or excuse me, Adam Humphreys. So, Nice little slot receiver action. Logan Thomas is on the tight end spot, still going to be there. Who had a uh, you know pretty good breakout year, so I'm interested to see how this offense can do. As this isn't an offense that I thought would be scary at all, but they do have a lot of speed and some weapons, and I'm interested to see how they perform. Um, obviously, they can still draft weapons as well. Before we jump into UFC and recap the massive U- UFC 260 card. There's rumors now with all this quarterback rumor that there's going to be five quarterbacks in the top 10 or top 15. Mind-boggling. If you guys have tuned into my Business and Buckets mock draft episode recap, if you haven't, check it out. Subscribe to the channel. Like, subscribe, right? I'm everywhere you can listen to podcasts. If you like the video, tune into YouTube. The video usually does come up a little later. And when it's up right away, it's usually in like shitty 360 quality because YouTube takes forever to process my 4K video. Uh, but love the video 4k. I do it for a reason. Um, but five quarterbacks in the top 10, you gotta be kidding me. We had gone back to, I think 2014 and had reviewed all the quarterbacks that have been drafted. And the average is like 1.2 quarterbacks turn out out of those classes to be a, a solid quarterback. You know, there might be some that have a little bit of a rain, uh, to give you an example, the, the Jared Goff season, like you know, he went to a Super Bowl, did okay, but now he's like looked as like a schlump on the market. Now he's playing for the Lions. So, um, you know, if you want to be one of those teams that draft that quarterback truly high on the hopes of something happening, that's more what it is, is hopes of something happening. 
And I'm going to give this year two quarterbacks that will perform. Why? Because we have once in a generation. I'm talking once in a generation. Like, I think this kid is the real fucking deal. Trevor Lawrence is coming into town. And he's going to try to fix over a dumpster fireplace of Jacksonville. I think he'll figure it out and have a long-term career. But a lot of the guys, it's going to depend who you get drafted to. Trey Lance goes to the Niners, if that's actually factual. Like, that might work out. The 49ers roster is, is, is nasty. That defense is nasty. Their run game is nasty. They got players. They got Shanahan. They're ready to ball out. Their biggest problem is the defenses in that division. Trey Lance is going to have some really big-time defenses to play against. Um, but, like, Zach Wilson, if he really does go to the Jets, good fucking luck, bro. Like, I didn't think that highly of you anyways. You know, everyone's oohing and on over pro days and big throws. It's like, well, no shit. They're about to be NFL quarterbacks. Like, social media, it's just funny how people overreact because now we get data and insight to everything. But let's just pump the brakes, guys. Sorry to be the buzz kill, but Zach Wilson is not going to bring the Jets to the glory land. Uh, Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is a better quarterback. That's enough. Sorry, Jets fans, for crushing your dreams. But let's talk UFC. UFC 260. Um... Not a huge prelim card in my book. If you guys have been tuning in, you guys are MMA fans. Love it, right? Business and Buckets at Podcast Buckets on Twitter. I'll be tweeting. I'll be on MMA Twitter trying to build my brand there. I have a lot to say. I'm very educated. I'm super excited to be able to get more fight fans in. And fight fans have been supporting Business and Buckets this far, even though we're on episode 16. But the prelims, like I said, as you guys know, there's only a few car, a few fights that I really care for. You know, I don't know every single fighter on the roster. I don't watch the PFL quite often. I don't watch, I'll, I'll be tuning into the one championship on TNT, but I don't watch all these foreign things. I usually, and mostly a UFC guy, I do watch the Contender Series, Ultimate Fighter when they have it, and that brews up a lot of talent that I like. It's like the farm system, right? Especially the Contender Series of late. But I'm not going to go through and talk about every single fight. Some of these fights are just like, there's a lot of people in the UFC and it's just not a lot that's, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and waste our time talking about every single fight when I don't think much of them matter. A lot of the fights I'm talking about are people that I think have a chance to move up that'll be in the UFC for a long time, not in and out, or people that are like in their first fight that I don't have a clue about. But sometimes I watch it and I, I'll put, I'll talk about it on the pod because like, oh shit, this guy does have an opportunity. I didn't know about him, but on the recap, let's chat. All right, let's talk about this guy. Like, I think he's a real deal. Um... So the first fight that caught my attention was the Nurmagomedov fight versus Jared Gooden, uh, Abubkar. Unanimous de decision. Obviously, you know, he's part of Khabib's camp. Uh, does well with him. Khabib going for coach of the year here. Um, Gooden got gassed. He's a big guy, lots of muscle, just wasn't able to hang. He never looked comfortable that whole fight. Uh, but good, good fight for Abukar getting the win, moving up. I'm sure we'll see his, uh, his name around more when you're a Nermagomedov, Nermagomedov, or however the hell you say it. Um, like you're going to be known. People are going to tune in and people are going to watch. I don't think he is one of the highly skilled, you know, he's not an Islam. He's not a Khabib. Like, I don't think he's the next champion, but he'll be around. It was cool to see him get a victory. In the women's fight, Miranda Maverick, man, unanimous decision over Jillian Robertson. I was going to start my parlay with this fight, picking Jillian Robertson, and I backed out last minute. I ended up going with just the three uh, final fights, and glad I did. Uh, Miranda Maverick, man, looking good coming from Evicta. She's only 23 years old, high volume, and won the fight on her feet, striking, won it on the wrestling, uh, won it with her wrestling and the takedown she had. 
three takedowns compared to uh, Jillian's two, who is a very good wrestler. So was pretty impressed with this. Uh, I could see Miranda moving her way up the class, and I'm sure will be a name that we'll be talking about more in the future. These rankings have been updated today. Let's see if we have her name on here. Boom. Number 15. She moved up. She's in the rankings. She was non-ranked before. If you don't know what class she's in, she's in the flyweight class with Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet. Um, pretty good class, unlike uh, um, the 145, the featherweight, or even the bantamweight. The top 15 is pretty tough. But from 1 to 15, this feather, this flyweight class is actually pretty solid. And I, I do think the strawweight class is pretty solid as well, which Zhang Weili is holding the title of. And she gets to fight Rose Thug Namayunis soon. Rose has always been my favorite since Ultimate Fighter. I saw her watch. I said I know she'd have the title, and I think she's about to prove people. I'm going to have or show people that she's the champ in real deal. I love Wei Lei. She's awesome. But man, Thug Rose, she don't play games. And then we got the Sugar Show. The Sugar Show's back in town. Uh, he's really starting to build his brand. He's blooming. He had the ESPN interview. He killed it. Uh, he has his podcast. Has his social media following. Uh, but I even tuned in yesterday uh, to Twitter and noticed that he made the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Pat clearly doesn't know a lot about UFC. It was asking him some random questions. But, uh, I mean, he's out there. People love him. And, and Pat's like, man, I, I want you to be the champ one day. What do we got to do to get that, that belt around your waist? Uh, you know, he's just such a likable guy. And it was great to see him with the third-round knockout over Thomas Almeida, which, you know, Sean made Thomas look silly in this fight. He really did. But... You got to give Thomas Almeida credit. Like, you know, Sean's just next level right now. Like, he could compete with the best in the division. There's already rumors that he'll fight with Dominic Cruz on the Conor McGregor card July 3rd or July 10th. Could you imagine Conor McGregor, Sean O'Malley in the same press conference, same fight card? That would be fucking bonkers. That's a long shot rumor at this moment in time. Supposedly, Dominic could take tested Chael Sonnen after the fight. He said, man, I'd love to fight Sean O'Malley. Yada, yada. You know, rumors are rumors. Um, but you know, give props to Thomas Almeida. The guy's a vet. He's been through a lot. Um, I believe this is four losses in a row now. Um, but I, you know, he, he's fought some really tough guys. He was a former champ. Um, and, and, uh, I forget the promotion that he was fighting before. Uh, but Sean's just next level right now, right? He's flowing. He's in a different state. He's spinning all these fakes and hesitations. He gives these guys, he's a lot longer. He's like Corey Sanhagen, a lot longer than most people in the division. And they don't know how to get through him. And he just does what he wants when he wants. And the other guys aren't coming his way. I predicted a second round head kick here. Um, the first round, he damn near walk off, knocked him out, ended up not knocking him out, you know, going through the second round, buzzed him up pretty good. But third round really put him on his back. And the, the official wasn't calling the fight yet. So he'd gone down and gave him one more, walked off, did the, did the fadeaway shooter, um, and, got the, and got the knockout. So I was glad he got the finish. I made some money there. Was really hoping for that second round. And I was hoping for a head kick. I mean, he gave the guy lots of head kicks. He said his shins are sh uh, sore as fuck. Um, but, hey, it, it was an awesome showing. Good to see Sugar back in the win column. Um, he shows just his speed, man. He's so fast compared to a lot of these guys, and he's so accurate and 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 has power. That's I think he I think he hits these guys, and they don't realize how much power he has, right? Uh, because he is somewhat younger in the division. You know, he had the USADA break for a while. Like he's had a lot of shit through his names, and it's starting to finally pay off. And I love seeing it. 
Obviously, the UFC is trying to sell him. They want him to be successful. Uh, like I said, on Embedded, he's always there. They never had Thomas Almeida. He had more Embedded time than Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley. Like I said, he's on ESPN doing a lot of things. Not like Thomas Almeida was doing that. And Dana White called it a masterpiece. He said, what a fucking masterpiece after this card. So a lot of that noise, like I said, there's a rumor that he might fight Dominic Cruz. Who will know? I would love to see that, but who knows what's going to happen. Um, he's ranked number 16 right now, right outside the top 15. Uh, the opponent that he lost to uh, is ranked 15, so it's hard for him to move into the top 15. I would like to see him versus a wrestler. We haven't seen him with some high-level wrestling uh, he fights guys like Thomas Almeida, who who are kickboxers and strikers, but with his speed and length, just makes him look silly. And we've never seen someone really come at Sean and want to take him down. I think this would be good experience for him before he starts moving up to the top uh, of the class, where there are some killer wrestlers that will look at Sean's tape and automatically want to take him down. There's guys like uh, Marab in there, Cody Stamen. Uh, you know, Marlon Murray's chin's gone, so I don't think. It's too much of a throw right now, but Frankie Edgar, 100%. Uh, Jose Aldo, Cody Garbrandt. I mean, these guys, Cody probably not, but uh, Pewter Jan, Aljamain Sterling. Like, these guys will straight want to take him down. So I think a guy or an opponent like Ricky Simone would be awesome. I know Ricky Simone wants to fight him, and he's right there in the, like, 15th, 16th, uh, 17th ranked. On the UFC rankings, they have him out the top 15. I think he's 17. Um, but I think that would be a great fight. I'd like to see him potentially rematch Cheeto. Just get that, you know, bullshit loss off his record, beat Cheeto. But we know Cheeto's never going to take that fight. The only way Cheeto's going to take that fight is Dana White says, you need to take this fight. Like, if you don't take this fight, you're not going to be fighting for a while. Something like that. Uh, but I don't expect that to happen. Um, but on the high end of the spectrum, we could see Cruz and the smarter, more intermediate moves. I think we could see a Ricky Simone. I don't think Sean's in a rush to move up the rankings too high either. He's been through a lot of shit. He's wanting to do it right. He's wanting to get more ring time, and he keeps knocking motherfuckers out. Bravo, bravo, sugar show. Now let's talk Vicente Luque and Tyron Woodley. Boy, was this a fucking hard fight to pick. I was back and forth, back and forth. On the podcast, I told you guys last week I was back and forth, but I took Vicente Luque because I kept taking Woodley earlier, and he kept burning me, and it was pissing me off. And I feel like he had too many irons in the fire. He's acting, he's rapping, he's doing everything but fighting and knocking motherfuckers out like he used to. Um, and Vicente Luque, first round knockout. What do you know? Uh, Woodley looked to rock Luque early, like looked like he fucking buzzed him up. And you could tell he got super aggressive because that right hand that he has just landed. And Luque was patient, kept his space, wasn't too overzealous, and hit Woodley on a counter, man. It was nasty. I don't think Woodley was able to see straight for a while. He was running the cage. He's bouncing off the cage. He's trying to figure his life out. He's throwing random haymakers. And uh, Luke leg swept him, got him down, and finished with the Darce choke. Uh, I mean, four losses in a row. That's tough no matter how you slice it. Obviously, the three losses are to, like, straight fucking killers. Gilbert Burns. Um, oh, Jesus, who else did he lose to? Was it Colby? Anyways, he lost to like three, Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, and somebody else. And now he's fighting a guy that's quite lower ranked. You know, I thought maybe he would have enough in the tank to do it, but it looks like he's damn near retired. Even Dana White had hinted towards his retirement. He's now ranked 10th in the uh, welterweight division. And Vicente Luque actually jumped all the way to uh, fucking six. He moved up uh, four spots. 
but yeah, I mean, at 38 years old on a four-fight loss streak, where does he go from here? I have no clue. Potentially retirement, or he fights a couple Joe Schmoes or up-and-comers. Uh, but it sucks to see a guy that was so dominant. Like, he was that guy in the division. He wasn't quite like Usman is now, but he was that guy. You didn't want to fuck with Woodley, and here he is. I mean, the fighting game, it's just really tough. Um, you know, what What? What do you do for me lately, and who's, ne- what, who's next? What's next? That's all the fans care about. It's a brutal game, and they don't get paid a lot. Uh, if he does fight, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe a Neil Magny or a Jeff Neal fight. Two guys that are quality scrappers that he hasn't fought yet. Uh, you know, both would be a, a, a big name for them on their record. Um, and they fight pretty similarly, high cardio, uh, takedown. So uh, who knows what happens? I hope he gets to fight another day. But this might be the end of the Tyron Woodley era. And then uh, Vicente Luque, I would love to see him against Li Jingleng. I would love to see any motherfucker in this division versus Li Jingleng, to be honest. Li Jilang, if you don't know, is currently ranked 12th. I don't believe he has a, a fight booked. I looked up this yesterday, couldn't find anything. Um, the guy's a fucking stud, and he'll throw down with the best of the best. I think it would be a good fight to see him fight Luque. I wouldn't mind seeing Vicente Luque fight Michael Chiesa, even though I think he'd whoop his ass. Isn't Damian Maya retired? Why do we have Damian Maya at number nine or eight on the rankings? Let's see what Google says. Is Damian Maya retired. UFC welterweight has confirmed that he will not be stepping away and continue to compete in the octagon. May 23rd, 2020. Delays his retirement talk and wants to fight Anderson Silva. So the guy's fucking lingering. He should not be. Lingerers at that age do not stay at eight in the rankings. Put Damian Maia against Neil Magny. Shit, Tyron Woodley, Jeff Neil, Lee Jilang, all these motherfuckers. He's getting his ass whooped. I just hate seeing names like that in the rankings. It was like when Khabib was pound for bound, uh, uh, top pound for pound and we knew he was done. Anyways, if it's not Lee Jilang, people are calling like maybe a Bilal Muhammad rematch. They fought back in the day. Bilal's starting to get hot. You know, it is what it is. Um, he's got options though, especially with this wins. Really opens him up to more. But I want somebody to fight Lee Jilang. Let's go. Get him back out there. And then the main event, the fight of the night, the battle for the baddest man in the world, 2.0. And Nganu did work. He hit him with that Ford fucking car power, just smoked him in the head. I, I said for the fight, if you're Stipe, you got to stay distanced. You got to try to take the guy down, and you cannot take the hits like he did the last fight. Like, Stipe's been in some fucking battles, man. He really has. He did a trilogy with DC. Like, technically, he could be doing a trilogy with Francis after this loss. Like, if if people gave respect on Stipe's name, it's an automatic rematch. It's not going to be that way, though. Stipe's nice of a guy. He's not going to ask. Uh, he doesn't rile up and make big enough show to sell the tickets. You know, Conor McGregor gets his trilogies. Anyone who sells tickets gets his trilogies, but poor Stipe is not going to get a shot. Um, it just sucks to see the heavyweight go go out like that. Um, usually goes like a massive drop-off after a loss like this, too. If you look at the guys like Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, I mean, heavyweights take fucking damage. These guys throw fucking hands, like brutal force. You can only take so many hits to the chin, so many hits to the head. And if Stipe did come back, let's say Stipe fought, I don't know. Let's say he fought Derek Lewis, say he fought Curtis Blades. Like, he should beat those guys. But, dude, he's just one shot. And so those guys still have power. So 
it's just going to suck. You know, he might retire. I know he had eye injuries. He's got kids. He's got a lot going on in Cleveland. Like, coming back really doesn't help his career unless he really enjoys the fight game, which it seems like I don't know if, if that's really the case. Uh, but it just sucks to see that happen. Um, Stipe said it best, though. You know, he got aggressive, and Ganu took advantage. That second round, uh, he, he got a little overzealous, and fucking Nganu made him pay for it. He tried to take down in the first round. Just keep going, dude. Keep going. Take down. Do what those other uh, heavyweight guys have done and, and clean uh, Nganu up. But, hey, it, you know, shit happens. That's why you fight, right? Um, to not take away from Francis Nganu, the video of Nganu's Cameroonian family, friends, whoever the fuck it was, celebrating, being on the fucking edge of their chair, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, when he first gets rocked, and then he finishes them, they fucking go berserk. They lose their shit. It's like a sea of Cameroonian people. Awesome. Like, chills down my fucking veins. One of the coolest things I've seen Again, congratulations, Francis Ngannou. Like, let's be real here. Francis Ngannou is that once-in-a-decade type of fighter that everyone wants to see. He'll sell out because all you got to do is look at the fucking guy. Oh, he grew up in doing sand mines, digging up fucking sand in Cameroon and had to, like, you know, go through a ship that failed four times to try to get um, out of Cameroon. He went to France fought in France, like, yo, try MMA, like, the story is just, like, something that should be a movie, like, this will probably be a movie one day, but the problem is, is Francis is coming to the fight game so long, so late, that he's going to be fighting John fucking Bones Jones, the GOAT of all UFC, MMA ever, in my opinion, John Jones is going to take him down right away and do what he does, like, I, I, I hate to say it, like, Francis is going to lose the fight if John is the next fight, but holy shit, Francis is such a big sell, like, the probably the last big sell like this was Brock Lesnar, right? Big motherfucker, WWE guy. Like everyone expects Francis to like get over here and take their soul out of their body, like every single fight. But the problem is, if Dana White doesn't fuck this up, it's John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Uh, there's you know contractual issues right now. John still hasn't got the contract. He's gained all this weight to move to heavyweight. He he abandoned his light heavyweight title. He's not fighting. Now Dana's saying you're scared to fight Francis. Like, God, it's so much drama. The, the UFC and a lot of fighters have less left, like Demetrius Johnson, which is like... I would say the third best UFC fighter overall. I'm going John Jones, Anderson Silva, Demetrius Johnson, GSP. That, that's my Mount Rushmore. And I love DJ, but he left because it's just politics now. Who can sell? Who can talk more shit? Who can just put on this fake fucking profile? I mean, look at the Kobe Covingtons, the fucking Henry Cejudo's. They're trying to do this ugly ass thing because they have to to get paid to get the fights to do what they want. Like, you got to play the game, and it's a sick fucking game. It really is. But, man, it, it's just brutal the, the way the UFC is. And even John Jones, the goat of all time, like the guy signed by Nike, the dude that's the fucking dude is having issues. And Dana White's making, like pulling his fucking teeth out. It's just a, it's a brutal business, man. I really hope it's John Jones. He deserves it. I a hundred percent, I'd put my fucking house down. Like if any of you guys come at me, that fight's announced, tweet me, message me. I'll fucking bet you, you ask like John Jones is getting that fight done. Um, let's say John Jones doesn't though. What's our options? You want to see Derek Lewis? Did you guys see Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou's first fight? It was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. It reminds me of Kimbo Slice's fight with that Alexander guy. I forget his name. has like triple traps. And there's these just two big buff guys that never did anything the whole fight. Um, sure, maybe it was Ngannou early in his career. Derek Lewis said he had back problems at the time, which I know he do did have. 
So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that come in play here. Maybe it's an awesome fight, sure. But, like, he's already ended Curtis Blades. He trains with Searle Gain. He's going to want to avoid that fight if all possible. And to be honest, that might be the best fight. Like, Searle Gain's a fucking beast. Uh, Volkov, Rise and Strike. Like, he's already ended these guys. So, um, if you're a fight fan, you want John Jones. You want John Jones. I don't want Derek Lewis. I don't want anybody else. The only other fight that might be appealing is Cyril Gone, and he's not going to want to fight him. Um, it just sucks that we're set up in this position after a fight like this. Uh, I'm sure the John Jones things will go on. It's just a bunch of drama, right? Like I said, we got social media. We're on Twitter. We're seeing the headlines. Chelsea and stirring up the pot. Oh, shit. What did G- DC say? Oh, shit. What did Ariel say? We like, you know, we're, we're all over the fucking place. And it, do- it might not even happen. It might be John Jones book tomorrow. Like, who the fuck knows? Um, but people are getting paid, right? Connor's getting paid. Dustin and Connor about to get a fat payday. Pay John. Like, Dana White, pay fucking John. Um, you know, John's fucked up. You know, a lot of people fuck up. He's fucked up a lot of times, but pay the man. He's, de- he deserves it. Um, let's see. What else do I got to say here? Outside of that, the next UFC, we got two weeks coming up. It's an early card. It's UFC on ABC two. I think it's also on ESPN. Um, but you know, terrible news today. Darren Till has to pull out, broke his collarbone, fucking just devastated me. Darren Till and Martin Vittori was going to be a fucking banger. I'm going to Arizona that weekend. Uh, it's an early card. We're going to watch that. Probably top golf. Then I got a Suns game that night. They're playing the Wizards. Got Chris Paul versus Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill. As long as he's healthy and back, which he should be. Like, this is going to be a banger. But good news. When shit happens, call Big Mouth. Motherfucking Kevin Holland said, I already accepted the fight. Like, he's coming in after a Derek... Or a, uh, Derek Brunson loss, trying to get his name back. I love this guy. Like, the guy's fucking crazy. I put all my chips in on his table when I shouldn't have. I should have known Derek Brunson's going to whoop his ass because he's he's a talker. He's not the best fighter, though, right? Like, not top fucking three fighter. Put all my chips in in the Holland bandwagon. Brunson whooped his ass. I'm like, damn it. That's what I get. But he's back. Like, whether the guy is a real contender or not, like, the fact that he's doing this shit, I love that. The UFC needs more guys. Oh, shit, this happens? Dude, fuck. How much weight do I need to cut? Yeah, put me in. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm all about it. I'm I'm becoming a bigger Kevin Holland fan just for the fact that he's he's down for whatever. I could tell you what, if you look at my friends groups, half of my friends groups, I don't have a big friend group anymore, man. I'm almost 30 years old. Turned 29, July 9th, 29 years old. No, nah, I'm not that old, but my, my group is probably 10 or less people, to be honest. And half of them have the same trait. They're fucking down for whatever. Hey, you want to go to Phoenix and catch a Suns game and a, a, a Diamondbacks game? Yeah, I'm down for whatever. Yo, you want to go to Dallas during COVID and watch the Steelers game? Yeah, dude, I'm down for whatever. Like, down for whatever, that's a huge thing. Kevin Holland is down for whatever, and I fucking love it. Um, but I hope that happens. It seems like Vittori's fight just has to sign off. I'm sure he will. He's trained hard. He, he needs to get paid. Like, these fighters got to get paid. You can't just pull out. That uh, fucks everything. Um, so hopefully he saves the day, but man, heart's broken. Darren Till, come back. We want, we want to see you back in action, but Hey, maybe, uh, your boy, uh, Adesanya is pumped. He's like, this is exactly what we needed. Hill up. You're going to fight me now for the championship. But anyways, sad news. We have two weeks until the next UFC card. So next week we won't talk fights.
And then we have the, don't forget the DJ card coming up April 7th. We'll talk about that. DJ and Eddie Alvarez fighting. Who are they fighting, Shane? I don't know. I don't watch one UFC. I don't know these dudes. I'm betting on DJ. Eddie, probably not. But DJ, let's go. All right. Now we got NBA. The trade deadline, baby. The trade deadline came and is gone. Quite a bit of action. I had a friend that's not, you know, he's more into the NBA because he hangs out with me and I'm a fucking just a sportsaholic. I'm like, oh, give me those sports. What's happening Tuesday nights? I need those sports, right? Like I was watching the Angels spring training before this, watching uh, Elite Eight action. Michigan's playing UCLA. Gonzaga beat the brakes off. Beat the brakes off. USC, the Pac-12, overrated. I know they got the good matchups. They made it through. But, like, if you thought USC was going to beat Gonzaga, you're fucking crazy. Anyways, I was talking to him about the trade deadline. He's like, holy shit, I saw all these names getting all these updates. Like, I didn't know it was that active. It's like, yeah, bro, this ain't the NFL. Like, NBA happens. Contending teams make moves, and they go all in. And then you got teams that aren't contenders like the Bulls that make just random-ass moves all the time. But let's talk a little bit about some of these trades. The Jazz add shooting depth. They add Matt Thomas. Most people are like, who the fuck is this? Well, he's another three-point shooter. If the Jazz didn't have good enough three-point shooting, they added another three-point shooter. Does this mean like, holy shit, he's going to be a star player for them in the rotation? Probably not. This is more of a future move. Uh, but, you know, maybe injuries happen or in the playoffs you need an extra guy to come in. He'll come in and make shots. They beat Cleveland by 30-plus points the other night. He got in. What did he do? He made three-pointers. He shoots like 42%. 41.6, something like that. But anyways, they got him for nothing. Terrence uh, Davis went to the Kings. They got a lot of guards. Not too sure what's going on there. But regardless, Jazz got Matt Thomas. I'm cool with it. It was the last roster spot they had. Seven players and a three-team trade. The Bulls got Daniel Tice, the starting center for the Celtics, who have no center now. Uh, Javante Green, Troy Brown Jr., and cast considerations. The Celtics got Luke Cornett, Moritz Wagner, and the Wizards got Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. Yeah, I don't know what to think about this one. Um, I didn't think that the Celtics would want to get rid of Daniel Tice unless they got another center in the mix. They got Cornetta Shooter, Wagner, decent center, played okay. You know, he came out of Michigan, had a good tournament run until they got blew, blown out by the Villanova squad because that's my squad. Uh, but anyways, um, you know, he, he's been doing okay in Washington. He's somewhat of a three-point shooter, but... I don't understand what the move for them was really there besides depth, but maybe they just want to let Robert Williams free, let him out of jail and say, just fucking turn your athleticism into greatness. Maybe that's the move. They're already slumping, though. They're fucked. That Danny Age and that team, pff, what a what a downfall. The Warriors did a little bit of tax bill cutting. The Hornets got Brad Wanamaker. The Warriors got... Katie Lalonde, I don't even know who the fuck that is, in cash considerations. And the Spurs got Marquise Chris in cash considerations. This really means nothing. This is all money moves. Cody Lalane, the center out of UMass, 2015. So, yeah, he's, he's older than I am, and I have no clue who he is in the NBA. Marquise Chris, right, he, he's a, a guy that's, you know, made some splashes in his day, so maybe... He could reset his career in San Antonio with the Popovich. The Sixers got George Hill. Poor George Hill just going from city to city. And Ignas Brzezakis. The Thunder got Tony Bradley, Austin Rivers, and two second-round picks at 2025 and 2026 if they don't have enough picks already. 
And then the Knicks got Terrence Ferguson, scrappy little guard. They have a lot of guards. Uh, George Hill potentially could make a move. Is some good point guard depth. While the Thunder, I, you know, they're just working with guys for the interim until they get all these draft picks in and really set up a team. Uh, obviously, Austin Rivers can shoot. He's not a future player. Tony Bradley, decent backup center. He used to play for Utah, so I'm pretty familiar. Um, you know, very average player. Rajon Rondo back to L.A., going to the Clippers, and the Hawks get Lou Williams. Two new guys, new sites. wasn't working out. Uh, the Clippers hope playoff Rajon Rondo really makes a difference. I mean, I'll finish going through these trades. But really, to me, the trade deadline moves that affect the playoffs is the Bulls trade with Vucevic that we'll go over here lately because they're playing, they're in the play-in game position. They can move up in the standings and earn an actual playoff seed, which for the Bulls in this team, that's a win. Uh, the Clips getting Rondo, that might affect a playoff game, so that, that is somewhat making a, dif- a difference. Uh, the Blazers getting Norman Powell with Nurchik coming back. Like, they got a pretty fucking solid squad now. The problem is a solid squad in the NBA gets you a middle seed and usually is like one playoff win if you're lucky. Um, Evan Fournier going to the Celtics. Very bad debut. We'll talk about that later, but you know he might help them with a couple wins. But they lost Tice, so yeah, I'm still confused about that a little bit. And then Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets definitely makes them more well-rounded team. But is it going to do enough? I don't think so. Uh, but those are impactful. Nothing really crazy through the deadline. And let's not forget buyouts. Andre Drummond to the Lakers. I think that's one of the bigger moves they needed. Backup center depth. The guy is a straight fucking rebounder. Can play decent defense. And then LaMarcus Aldridge stacking up to the nets. Everyone wants to go play with KD. Give me some KD sniper. Well, he got his wish. He's playing for the Nets. He's pretty old, past his prime. But I'm sure in that Nets, they, they need depth. Like, he'll probably make an impact. And we'll see some games where, like, fuck, that, that really did make a difference. All right. Oh, sure. I would click into the next website. Um, other trades that had happened. We had the Mavs getting J.J. Redick and deal with the Pelicans. Gotta love JJ. He's getting old, but he can shoot. Shooter, shoot. And they're a commodity in the NBA. It's going to help them spread out the floor. They got Nicolo Melli as well. And in return, the Pelicans got James Johnson, Wes Awundo, and a 2021 second-round pick. Houston deals Oladipo to Miami. Uh, Miami gets Victor Oladipo. The Rockets got Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 first-round swap. I like that for both teams. Uh, the Rockets need to reset. Oladipo is not going to be a difference maker. Like, Bradley could play some D. He's still capable. He's been injured. Uh, Kelly Olenek's been playing really well for Miami. I think that was more of a team fit than anything. But, hey, he's been there. He's an experienced postseason guy with the Celtics and the Heat. And they get a first-round pick. Um, The Heat, that's good. You get another slasher. Obviously, this team wasn't going to get it done this year. Uh, They also added – who else did the Heat add? Oh, Trevor Ariza. So they're trying to improve. They're trying to stay relevant in the East. Uh, we talked about in the Norman Powell trade, the Raptors got Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. Um, how do I feel about this one? I don't know. They wanted to trade Powell. I, you know, I thought they were going to trade Kyle Lowry, but I don't know. The Tor- Toronto's in a weird place. It's, it's hard for them. Kawhi saved their life. Uh, but Rodney Hood and Gary Trent aren't either better than Norman Powell at this point. But, hey, you know, they got some shooters. Gary Trent's young. Maybe you can develop him. Uh, Celtics got Fournier for two second-round picks. Yeah, I mean... It's it's good for the Celtics, but again, they lost Tice, so I don't know how much better that really made them. For Aaron Gordon, the Nuggets got Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. The Magic got Gary Harris and RJ Hampton and a uh, 2025 projected first-round pick. Good move for them, I think. Uh, Gordon's a great player for sure, 
But Gary Harris hasn't really worked out. Maybe a change of scenery. He turns out to a decent player. I like RJ Hampton. I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, the Nuggets just had a lot of guard depth. They have guys like Marcus Howard from Marquette, who's really good. They have him. Like Not all those guys were getting time, so they had to dump somebody. And they did and gave him a first-round pick, which obviously the Magic need because they're, they're rebuilding. Uh, Harkless to the Kings. Maurice Harkless and Chris Silva. The Heat got uh, Bajelica, bigger shooter. Again, they're trying to make their team relevant for a push right now. Uh, and they don't want to give up their assets for Kyle Lowry like Tyler Hero. I talked about I want to do it. They didn't do it. So we must be on the same page there. And the Kings get, you know, a couple solid players. Uh, you know, who knows what the fucking Kings are doing. The Bulls trade finally. The Bulls got Nikola Vucicic and Alfredo Aminu. The Magic get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., a 2021 and 2023 first round pick. Again, I like this more so for the Magic. You got to reset. Wendell Carter and Otto Porter, two pretty youthful guys that had very, you know, were very t- spoken highly of and, and can turn out for them. Uh, Vucicic, awesome guy. The coach has said he feels honored to even coach him. But if they're not in win now, why hold them captive, especially if you're getting rid of Gordon and squad? And Alfredo Amino, I mean, they just threw him in. You know, the guy had been, he's a, he's a journeyman at this point, scrappy, tough guy, probably good for the locker room. That does make the Bulls better, but, you know, that's a, that's a good team, not a great team. They have a long ways to go, and I don't know with their core of Levine, Markinen, and Vucicic. Like, it's a good core, but, like, I don't know how they're really going to make moves to try to win a championship. So, we'll, it's interesting to see their future. Going to be a fun team to watch, though. Like, I'll take those guys on fantasy 100%. And it's going to be fun to watch. Lots of fucking offense. Lots of fucking offense. Uh, the Nuggets get JaVel McGee and the Cavs got Isaiah Hartenstein. A 2027 unprotected second round and a projected 2023. <sighs> yeah, I guess the Nuggets want another big. I don't really understand this very much. Uh, it's just kind of random things. Harvestine, I mean, McGee always is traded. Uh, somebody wants him for impactful playoff minutes, I guess. The Kings got DeLon Wright. The Pistons get Corey Joseph, a 2021 second, 2024 second. DeLon Wright's barely getting minutes as it is. Why did they do this? It must be like salary implications. Corey Joseph to the Pistons. Like, you know, they don't really need Corey Joseph. I think DeLon Wright was a better fit. Uh, It's just a head scratcher to me. I had DeLon Wright on fantasy too. I don't anymore because he's not getting any minutes. Uh, The Bucks land PJ Tucker. Radonis Karukas and a 2022nd pick. The Rockets got DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, a 2023rd unprotected first round pick, 2021 swap rights, and the Suns got Tory Craig. Well, the Bucks got PJ Tucker. That's a great veteran. You know, that's going to pay dividends for them. He's a defender. He could shoot. Uh, he has a spot on the edge of the three. You know, that's going to make a difference in the playoffs. The Rockets, he got DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson. This is temporary guard moves and salary dumps until you build a team. And the Suns get Torrey Craig. Yeah, sure. You know, is that really going to make a difference? I highly doubt it, but yeah, they got him. Miami got Trevor Reza. The Thunder got Myers Leonard in a 2027 second round pick. They had to get rid of Leonard with the whole, you know, what he had said and the brand that he has. And you got Trevor Reza back, right? He's older, but he'll fill in the stats. He'll do well. And uh, come playoff time, he'll make a difference. He could shoot. And then the last two for you, we got Pistons getting... Hamidou Diallo and the Thunder getting Shvi. I can't even say his last name, but he's been doing pretty well this year. And a 2027 second round pick. The Thunder got a shooter, another guard. 
The Pistons get this guy. Again, this is salary cap, future implications at this point. But the Thunder got another pick, right? All they need is more picks. We'll get to how many picks they have. It's fucking insane. And then the last trade, Derrick Rose back to the Knicks. The Pistons get Dennis Smith Jr. and a 2021 second-round pick. Yeah, that just kind of come out of nowhere. Why the hell did you trade him away in the first place? But, hey, it's the NBA trade deadline. It, it, shit happens. Like I told my friend, just the shit happens. Does half of it make sense? Absolutely not. Does does really any of that make more playoff implementations? Not really. Like I said, I think the probably the biggest thing is Andre Drummond to the Lakers. So um, outside of that, some other NBA news. Before we jump into last week's games, the Jazz had an emergency flight landing as a flock of fucking birds took out the left engine. Could you imagine? Prayers up. Glad they made it. Some crazy ass shit happened in there. Uh, they play the Grizz again tomorrow. They played them twice last week. Uh, D- Donovan Mitchell supposedly out for personal reasons. Glad the team is okay, though. Could have been brutal. I told you the Thunder have a lot of picks. These, the Oklahoma City Thunder, man, they ain't playing. They got 34 picks in the next seven years. 17 first and 17 second. They're stocking those picks up. I showed you that trade. They got a pick. I mean, they're just, they're, they're Danny agent. Give me picks, man. Give me picks. Give me picks. So hopefully they could develop a team. Are they going to stay in Oklahoma City? Who knows? But, hey, props to you. You got hella picks. Interested to see what happens. I was interested to see what happens with the Celtics. They got some pretty good players. But they aren't sitting pretty well at the moment. But let's talk games last week after episode 14. Well, 15, I should say. Well, Wednesday, that Wednesday, the Celtics dropped another one. Surprise, right before the trade deadline. Uh, the Bucks took him down. Middleton with 27 points and 13 rebounds. And Bobby Portis coming off the bench, coming in clutch with 21 points. Uh, the Raptors also beat the Nuggets behind Pascal Siakam's 27-8-6. The boy been balling. Hey, that's a big win for them right before the trade deadline. You know, where is Lowry at this time? They're unsure. But Siakam out there putting his best foot forward, getting the job done, beating a very good Nuggets team. And then the Magic... Downright surprising, right before the trade deadline, we assumed Vucicic and Gordon were going to be gone. Well, they put up, they didn't shut up. They beat the Suns right before the deadline. Vucevic with 27 and 14. I love that. He's on my fantasy squad. And the Clippers just throttled the Spurs behind Kawhi's 35, uh, 25. Um, you know, the Spurs are still hanging there in the playoff race. So you got to bring them up, but Kawhi doing work in that game. Moving on to Thursday, the Blazers beat the Heat with a late comeback. CJ McCollum. Coming back, baby. 35 points, 8 assists. Uh, Bam and Tyler Harrell, both with 29. Just couldn't get the job done with Jimmy Butler. I was watching that game. It was pretty much Miami with a pretty good lead throughout the fourth. But uh, Portland, man, if they're anywhere close, they're going to strike back. And CJ McCollum was definitely the hero in that one. Uh, Clippers beat the Spurs again, this time without Kawhi. And Reggie Jackson turned up with a 28-point game. Good win for the Clippers. Tough loss for the Spurs as they keep slipping. On Friday, the Suns got their revenge versus the Raptors. And the Celtics got their revenge on the Bucks. Tatum went off 34-7-6. And, and hey, Robert Williams, right? He, he's playing well as a starter. He had 7-9-6. Borderline triple-double uh, stat line. But they're going to need this guy to go berserk if they really want to move up and be a true contender. Because the Tice thing still has me confused. The Heat dropped another close one to the Hornets. Rogier with 26 and Malik Monk off the bench snapping for 32. Like, okay, this guy, this guy can hoop. 
I had him on the transaction, the waiver wire a couple weeks back in fantasy, so I'm not mad. Obviously, with LaMelo out, these guards get more opportunities. Uh, Nuggets took down the Pelicans. The Joker with 37, 6, and 9. This guy just puts up every single night. And Zion with 39 points, 10 rebounds. Wasn't quite enough, but if you guys remember a few episodes back, a couple weeks back, I was knocking Zion for averaging like four-something rebounds. It wasn't enough. He's been putting up more rebounds. They've been getting more wins. 39 and 10. What a stat line, even though the Nuggets got the dub. And then the Jazz beat the Grizzlies. Mitchell had 35, 5, and 6. And John Morant with a cool 32 and 11 assists. And a potential first-round matchup, right? We're looking at 1 and 8. There's the play-ins, obviously. Uh, but then they beat him again Saturday, and Donovan scored another 35. So looking like the Jazz got their number, which should be expected. I've been knocking the Jazz for their chemistry and their play recently, but they're looking more like that hot team. They've been smoking lower-level teams, but we'll see what happens as they play. I believe it's the like the Nuggets and the Suns back-to-back here in a couple weeks, which their second-half schedule is pretty easy, but that's like, okay, let's see what they can do against some contending teams, some higher-level teams. Uh, the Blazers squeaked by the Raptors without Kyle Lowry. Not because he got traded, he stayed, but because of injuries, having some foot issue. He's really been struggling the past few weeks, and I don't know if that affected the trade that they wanted to do or what. Uh, but CJ with 23 and Dame Dalla with 22. And Nurchik back in the lineup. New acquisition, Norman Paul there, looking good, looking like a good fit. Pretty solid team, good moves by the uh, Portland Trailblazers. The Nuggets beat the Hawks with Aaron Gordon in the starting lineup and six players all over double digits. Good team effort um, for the Nuggets beating the Hawks. Hawks, like I said, sneakily up there in the rankings playing well, so good win by the Nuggets. And then moving into this week, uh, the Wizards upset the Pacers on Monday without Bradley Bill, and he is the leading scorer in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. So they didn't just beat the Pacers. They, they took it to them without their, their highest scoring player and the highest point-per-game player in the league. But Westbrook went crazy. 35 points, 14 rebounds, and 21 assists. 21 and 14 rebounds as a guard. Like 6-1 or whatever, 6-4. And that's fucking crazy. Props to him. But uh, Pelicans giving the Celtics another loss without Jalen Brown in the lineup. They're slipping, man. They, they got to figure it out. Zion with 28 and 8, though. Those rebounds, right? Zion's getting them rebounds, getting them more dubs. And then the Heat beat the Knicks to get back on the winning track. They've been slipping as late of late as well. Jimmy Buckets with a nice 27, 5, and 6. And somehow the Pistons beat the Raptors with Lowry back in the lineup. And they had six players with double digits. Sadiq Bey being one of them, going 5 from 7 from deep. Love seeing Villanova guards do well. This guy can shoot. I knew... When he was at Nova, he was going to translate very well. The Pistons got himself a baller, a hooper, and a shooter. Poor thing. Plays in Detroit, though. Uh, the Clippers cruise past Milwaukee without PG-13. Tough loss for the Bucs. Uh, Marcus Morris leading the team with 25 points. Man, if you're the Bucs, you can't be losing without PG-13. Those Bucs just like, they can't win those big games, man. They, they usually don't. And upcoming this week, Tuesday tonight, is Hawks versus Sun which is going to be a very good measuring stick for the Hawks, right? The Suns playing really good ball right now, second in the West. Obviously, AD and LeBron being out has helped them move up, uh, and the Clippers battling in and out injuries as well. But Paul, Paul, uh, Chris Paul really helping that team get their shit together. That's going to be a good good game. And then Wednesday, we got Heat versus Pacers. 
Both been slipping in the conference, man. They're in the Eastern Conference. They can move their way up. That's a big game. Uh, new players for the Heat. And then Mavs versus Celtics on ESPN. Big game for both teams. Uh, both teams are on the outside looking in. I mean, they're on the bottom looking in. But they got to they gotta do better. They have too much talent. Uh, that's going to be on national TV, so we'll see who can choke there. And then Bucks versus Lakers on ESPN as well. Obviously, the Lakers don't have their stars in that game, but it'll still be a fun game. And then Bulls versus Suns to cap off the evening, which will be a lot of fun to see. And the Bulls' new squad is capable of. Vooch has played one game there. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, shit, the Bulls are kind of like the Pelicans. It's almost must-see TV for me at this point, even though they aren't a true contender. Uh, but they snap off. Levine snaps off. Um, I like Lori. Um, you know, Kobe White moving to the bench. But they, they, got some, they got some hoopers for sure. Moving on to Thursday, the Warriors play the Heat. The Hawks versus the Spurs and the Nuggets versus the Clippers, all playoff teams. Uh, the Nuggets versus Clippers is on TNT. You know, this could be a future playoff matchup. The Nuggets add Aaron Gordon to the mix. Uh, it'll be fun to watch him play on the squad on TNT. You have to watch the TNT games. You got to watch the, the, the crew and the show. Um, I believe Warriors and Heat's on earlier in the day. But yeah, that Clippers, Clippers Nuggets, big game on Thursday. Moving into the end of the week. Friday, the Warriors versus the Raptors. The Mavericks versus the Knicks on NBA TV. Uh, all playoff teams. The Hornets versus the Pacers. Both teams trying to keep pace, especially the Hornets without LaMelo. Their other guards are stepping up, but they're, they're scrapping for playoff positions. Uh, Hawks versus Pelicans. Bulls versus Jazz. Bucks versus Blazers on NBA TV. That's going to be a doozy. And then Saturday, we have Pacers versus Spurs. You know, both these teams are not, momentum's not in the right trajectory. They got to turn it around. So it's just pivotal games for those teams. And then Sunday, we got Lakers versus Clippers on ABC. Would have been awesome. ABC probably thought so too. You know, obviously no LeBron, no AD. Uh, but Hornets versus Celtics and Warriors versus Hawks on NBA TV. Lots of shooters. You got Trey Young. You got Seth Curry. Seth, ugh, Steph Curry. Uh, that will be a fun game. And then coming into the week before episode 17, we got Knicks versus Nets, the Battle of New York on NBA TV. I'm sure KD won't be back yet. Hopefully Kyrie's playing. And then Jazz versus Mavs, star-studded game. Moving into Tuesday, we got Bulls versus Pacers, Pelicans versus Hawks, 76ers versus Celtics on TNT. I wouldn't expect Joel Embiid back, or Embiid, however you want to say his name. Um, I feel like he's still a couple weeks out, but I know he is playing. He is getting some contact in, so who knows? But either way, 76ers versus Celtics, especially with the way the Celtics are playing. Uh, you know, they need to get a win. They got to be able to beat them without Joel. And we'll see what can happen on TNT uh, with Candace Parker, Dwayne Wade. That'll be a, a fun one. Shaq and squad, Adam Lefko. Uh, Memphis versus Miami. Memphis scrapping for playoffs. Bucks versus Warriors on TNT. <clears throat> if the 76ers Celtics got you intrigued, well, the Bucks versus Warriors is going to be even more fun. Lots, lots of big star-studded names in that game. And then a, a real big game outside of the nationally televised games, Blazers versus Clippers to end the night. That one really has me intrigued. I love that matchup on paper, uh, especially with the new players that the Blazers got. Norman Powell, Nurchik back. That's a uh, that's must-see TV. That wraps it up for NBA. It's March. It's still March 30th, and that means March Madness. We're going to dive into the Sweet 16, talk Oregon State, talk Elite Eight, coming at you. Let's get it. So the Sweet 16, I had to put in another parlay. I had to try to get some money back. It didn't really work out. I had to try. 
Uh, but before we dive into that actual Sweet 16 games, couple quick news pieces here. Shaka Smart leaving Texas, the team that I had picked to win the whole damn tournament. Why? I don't know. No, I didn't know. I did really do, honestly thought they had it. I did the whole bracket breakdown for you guys. Uh, but that's not good for Texas. Texas is in trouble. If he's already on his way out, you know, it's like, okay, cool. He just went there for his resume and to help his boy Mark Coleman, who he recruited, and now he's gone. Um, dark day for Texas. They just their their sports programs are in the dumps. They gotta get their shit figured out. Uh tough news for them as Shaka's out of Texas. When it comes to the Sweet 16, I was probably most forward looking to the Loyola Chicago Oregon State game. Two underdogs. You got Sister Jean, you got Wayne Tinkle, you got the predicted last twelve uh last place Pac-12 team. And the Loyola Chicago underdogs from a couple of years ago. I was super excited for it. You know, what a great performance by that Beaver defense. They did not let Chicago get comfortable at all throughout the game. And uh, really just captured the win there, you know, from top to bottom. Very impressive performance. And I'm so proud and happy for the Tinkle family. Once again, you're making moves. I saw an article that he helped each Pac-12 program get a a half a million dollars they weren't expecting. Um, So the Pac-12 better be happy as well. And the Pac-12 keeps winning, baby. Um, Funny stat on Sister Jean. She was born when Babe Ruth hit a triple and drove in two runs the same day. So that shows you she's been around the block for a while. Um, Baylor handled Villanova the way I expected. A uh, well-fought game by Jay Wright and squad from the season they've had, the injuries, being underdogs. I'm proud of their performance. Um, Baylor's a really good team. They have really athletic guards. And, you know, no surprise there. You know, at this point, I hope they win it all. Um, I should have picked them to win it in my bracket. I've been high on them. If you guys hear, heard me in the Business of Buckets episode, I said they were like the legit number one um, through and through. But, you know, I was feeling frisky, uh, bit me in the ass. But, yeah, I expect Baylor to do work from here on out. Uh, What a game Arkansas and Oral Roberts was. Oral Roberts, another Cinderella story. Uh, Hit a shot with 3.1 seconds. Uh, Max Abmas wearing some nasty light blue Kobe kicks, looking swaggy out there. Hits the shot. Oral Roberts is freaking out. Everyone's going nuts. Uh, You know, what a tournament by him. It just wasn't enough. Arkansas is able to sweep through, get the victory. And I expected Syracuse to demolish Houston, but they got demolished by Houston. Uh, that's the game that ruined my parlay and my bets for my my second chance. I was expecting Buddy Bayheim to go off again. They kept him in check. I mean, that Houston defense is just the real deal. Uh, what's cool about Houston that I didn't know until the Sweet 16 is Kelvin Simpson, their head coach, used to coach at Montana Tech, so another Montana tie. right? In the Elite Eight, you have Houston or you have Oregon State, two Montana ties, so can't be mad about that. Um, but yeah, well, well done. He, he coached in Montana tech, uh, in the eighties before he took the Washington state gig, but Hey, that, that team's defense is just suffocating and, uh, and they, they did not let, uh, Syracuse look comfortable and, and they weren't affected by their zone. So well, uh, very well coached, uh, game there. And then Gonzaga handled Creighton. You know, I, I felt like Creighton's pretty overrated. Lucky, you know, it's all about matchups. Gonzaga's just had really good matchups as far. As happens when you're undefeated, you get the number one overall seed. Uh, but, yeah, they, they cleaned house with Creighton. Not a very good performance by Creighton. And then Michigan handled Florida State pretty well. I mean, Florida State couldn't buy a bucket when they need it. That was more of a shocker to me. I, I picked Florida State to win that game. 
Um, so, you know, Michigan looking good. Juwan Howard coaching the squad up. And then uh, the Pac-12 just kept winning. UCLA takes down, in my opinion, a very overrated Alabama squad. Uh, Javon Quinterly, ex-Villanova transfer, with 20 points off the bench, uh, put the team on his back. And then USC just handled Oregon. They had beat them in their one game earlier in the year. I thought this was going to be the toughest game to choose out of all of them. And, you know, <laughs> USC just handled it. Uh, Isaiah White with 22 points, putting the Trojans on his back. And again, the Pac-12 just, just keep moving on up. Moving to the Elite Eight. Oregon State making a late push in the Houston game. Houston was up, I, I want to say, 22 points at some point. And, and Wayne Tinkle and the Beavers did not back down. They battled, they scratched, they clawed their way back into this game. Um, Ethan Thomas C Thompson couldn't buy a bucket, uh, but they still got the job done. Uh, you know, made it a good game, but Houston was too much. Uh, and that defense was too much as the Beaver offense just looked flustered all game long, especially in the first half. And then Baylor handled Arkansas. You know, Moody only had 11 points on 10 shots. He's supposed to really boost his stock with this tournament run. Pretty piss poor performance, but they were able to make it to the Elite Eight, so that's still a win for Arkansas. And um, Baylor, man, Macy Oteague rolling, 22 points. Uh, th those guards are just nasty, and if Teague's hitting shots, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And then USC just got handled by Gonzaga earlier today, as I expected. And then my, I just took a break. And uh, I finished the UCLA-Michigan game. It came down to the wire. Uh, UCLA ended up winning. Let's see. How many points? I think it was a one-point game. Like It ended up being a really good game, which is nice because the Gonzaga game was terrible. And how about Johnny Juzang, man? What a tournament. Keeps Pac-12 alive. Uh, USC's gone. Oregon's gone. Obviously, Oregon State's gone. But you got Gonzaga versus UCLA. What a matchup that is in the final four. They got UCLA. That's going to be a smoke show. And then you got Houston Baylor. I highly expect Baylor to get the job done there. Uh, that will be the Saturday final four games. And then the championship um, um, will be done on Monday evening, I believe around five. So that's the final four. We got, we got Houston. We got Baylor could be a good game, especially with the way Houston's defense been playing. They are two seed for a reason. You know, I've been calling them overrated all year. And then Gonzaga, man, UCLA, Juzang are going to really have to have a big game here. I would take the the spreads for both winners, Gonzaga and Baylor. I don't know what those spreads are yet, but, you know, it sucks that the Final Four is this way. It, it doesn't suck if the underdogs win. That makes a cool story, but I expect the number one seeds to handle business. And I honestly would have expected Gonzaga to whoop Michigan's ass as well. You know, without Isaiah Livers, it's just a tough, too much for them to overcome, too much offense for the Zags. Uh, what a showdown that could be on Monday, though, right? <laughs> We're talking Gonzaga, Baylor, the true number ones all season long. Like, you could have predicted that a long time ago. Um, you know, that's probably probably the best game and matchup out there. But to be determined, only time will tell. And before I jump into MLB, I got my Trout jersey on. I got my season predictions ready. Uh, I got a cool update while taking a break. Let's see what date it is. We got Nate Diaz back in the octagon fighting Leon Edwards. Everyone's bitching about Leon Edwards. He can't get a fight. Well, he got Nate Diaz. That's coming up on UFC 262 in May, uh, which is a five-round non-title co-main event. I think they said it's the first non-title five-round co-main event in UFC history. Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, I'm fucking pumped. Can't wait for that. Fight fans are going to be happy. But let's talk MLB. 
Um, I did my season predictions. I'll break down the divisions, go into the playoffs, and give you guys my postseason heroes, who gets the awards. Um, I always like to do mine right before the season, before I look at you know ESPN or whoever else you look at for predictions, do my predictions. Then I like to compete and see how I stack up. I've been doing this probably since like 2010 on football, basketball, and baseball. And I haven't been able to do a season prediction with you guys because we started in the midst of NBA and NFL season. So guess what? This is the first ever professional sport season predictions by your host, Shane Gillette. MLB season predictions. Let's get it. So AL East, going to be a tough division. Lots of fun. Toronto with a bunch of new names. Tampa Bay somehow consistently just wins. Uh, and New York, we got the Bronx Bombers, like, Jesus Christ, if Stanton and Judge are healthy, they're going to be a handful, especially in that small park that they have. So I got the Yankees finishing first, followed by the Rays. That was a tough decision. You put Toronto, you put Tampa Bay. Just looking at their starting rotation, their bullpens, and the offensive talent, with the youth that Tampa Bay has, I think that's going to give them the edge. And Toronto's going to have to have a pitch-perfect season, which, hey, they're not even in Toronto. I believe they're playing in Buffalo or potentially Tampa Bay. It's just going to be a mix. Maybe they go back to Canada. It's just going to be a lot. They have to have that good mix of, of, of veteran leadership and youth work at the same time. I just put my chips in Tampa Bay. Every time I bet against them, they prove me wrong. So we got Yankees one, Rays second, Blue Jays third, and then I got Boston and Baltimore. You know, Baltimore had a pretty good run in a shortened season last year. I just don't expect that. You look at their pitching, it's like, what the fuck? Uh, so that, that's how I got the AL East shaken out. Moving to the AL Central, another another good competition at the top. I mean, Chicago with all the youth that they have, Tony LaRussa back in town. Uh, you got Minnesota, who's always at a wild card. They're always battling, scratching. They have a good mix of pitching and uh, offensive firepower. And then you got the Kansas City, who surprisingly is building like a pretty solid fucking team. It reminds me a lot of the team that had won the World Series, small ball lineups and good pitching. Uh, but I'm going to go with the White Sox first, the Twins second, uh, Kansas City Royals third, followed by the Indians without their man Lindor, and Detroit finishing last in the AL Central. Moving on to the AL West, that's my division, the Angels division. We used to own it, now we don't. Now we're, now we're usually a third, fourth place finisher, but I think this year it changes. I think this division's pretty much more up for grabs than it's been for a while, Houston losing Springer, battling the booze now with the fans back. You know, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, but I got Houston still finishing. They have too much talent. They still got Correa. They still got Altuve. They still got Jordano Alvarez. Like, they got players. Brantley stayed. Um, you know, Verlander's probably going to be out for the year, but they still have good pitching. So I got Astros. And second place was a tough one. But I got my Angels, man. Watching Otani this spring, I got my hopes up. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I think that's the key to their season. But I think that'll give them enough wins to be in that high 80s, low 90 win column, which will barely etch them over the Athletics, who had won the division as a sleeper last year. The Astros had gone further into the playoffs. Uh, but I got Astros, Angels, Athletics. Then I got Mariners and then Texas last. I like the youth that the, the Mariners have. I think they're a couple of years out, but I like what they're building, and I think they'll, they'll scratch away some wins. Going to the NL... NL East, another fun division. Probably, I would say, the most competitive division from top to bottom. Uh, I have the Braves finishing first. Uh, they just have way too much offensive power. Uh, their pitching is pretty well-rounded. 
Uh, it was tough for me with the new acquisitions that New York has. I think New York's such a big limelight, though. They're going to choke a little bit this year, and they're not going to win as many games as their talent probably should allow them to. So I got Braves still finishing in the top of the NL East. I got Mets second. And this was really a toss-up. Each one of these teams, I think, could really make, get thrown in the flourish here. I got Phillies finishing third, Nationals fourth, and then the uh, Miami Marlins last which I had said to myself before I did the predictions that the Miami Marlins are probably going to be like midst of the division. Obviously, they were a, a super surprise last year in the shortened season. They have a lot of youthful talent. Sixto Sanchez isn't starting the season in their starting rotation, but I assume he'll come back in there. Lots of youth there. I really like Sandy Alcantara. I just really like the team, but I, that division's so damn competitive. Even you look at the Nationals, they still got players, man. Uh, the Phillies, you know, I thought we're going to sell out this year. I thought they want to re-sign JT Realmoto and team. They kept re-signing players. So uh, that's how I got to shake it out. I got Braves, Mets, Phillies, Nationals, then your Marlins. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a high win total division. Absolutely. Moving to the NL Central, more of a weaker division in my book. Uh, I got this, the Cardinals finishing first. Arnando, they're pitching. I think Flaherty comes back into ace form. I uh, got the Cubs. This is like their last year. I think the the players just, you know, they want to prove what they're capable of. Uh, you, you know, the guys like Chris Bay, uh, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez. Like, I'm sure they're like, fuck this. Like, who do these guys think we are? Like, we're ballers. We're going to put it together. So I think they could sneak up a second place finish over the Milwaukee Brewers. But the Brewers got Yelich. He'll be coming back uh, a full force, I'm sure. You know, last year with the shortened season, sometimes it takes guys through some slumps to build that momentum. So I think a lot will be different with this longer season. But I do have the Cubs over the Brewers just by a few games. And then I got the Reds and then the Pirates, who are going to be pretty brutal. But I got Cabron Hayes on, on one of my fantasy teams. So hopefully he balls out like he's supposed to. Uh, but yeah, not a very solid division with the NL Central. I think the Cardinals take that pretty easily. And then moving to the NL West, this is the battle of like the two the two heavy hitters. You got the defending champion Los Angeles Dodgers and this new, I think, fan favorite team. Like, I want to watch the Padres. I want to watch Tatis fucking throw bat flips and crank homers and say, fuck the old school unwritten rules. Like, how could you not enjoy that? So, you know, this is going to be fun to see how that shakes out. But I hate saying it as an Angels fan. Like, you guys see this, right? Like, I'm not biased. But the Dodgers are too good. They're going to take the division. The Padres are going to get second. And then I got the, the Giants in third, the Rockies in fourth, and Diamondbacks finishing last. Uh, the bottom of that division is pretty bad. The, the Padres and the Dodgers are going to be stacking up wins against those teams. Uh, but I just think the Dodgers have too much. You know, I just watched the freeway series in spring training. Like, their offense is so fucking deep. Their pitching's deep. They got closers. Like, it's just there's too much talent to be had there. Uh, adding Mookie Betts really just took them over the edge. And Corey Seager, man, if you guys are playing fantasy football, baseball, get Corey Seager on your squad. That guy's an animal, and he's about to be running for damn near MVP this year, I think. He's my favorite player on the Dodgers. So let's talk playoffs. So last year was fun. We had an 18 playoff, right? So they had an expanded field because of a shorter season. I was hoping they'd carry that over. It can change. I read that it can change, but as of now, it's back to the old format. You got your three division winners, two wild cards. I play for the, the, the one game wild card showdown, which is fucking intense if your team makes it. It's like your ace versus our ace. Let's see what we got. And, uh, you know, as an Angel fan, that sucks because the odds of us making it is a lot lower. And we're just wasting Trout's glory days, and he's never going to play in October. 
Well, this year, yeah, I'm, you, you may call me biased. Uh, I did tweet it out. I had bought MLB TV this year for the first time in my life. And you get to watch spring training games. So I watched almost all my spring training games during uh, work because I'm working from home. Throw it on while I'm working. And, uh, you know, Otani's just got – he's just too fucking good, man. I, I put money on him for AL MVP. Uh, I have them getting a wild card, them in the Rays, which leaves out Minnesota. It was hard for me to leave out Minnesota. Everyone's super high on Toronto, but I think they're going to go through some shit this year. So I think they're a year out. Uh, but, yeah, Toronto, you could, you know, damn near put in there shit. You could even put the A's or the Royals there. Like, those are two small markets that always fucking get to find a way to win and prove these big teams wrong. Uh, but I got the Tampa Bay uh, squad up against the, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in the wild card in the AL. And then the NL, you got to put the Padres in. I got the Padres versus the Mets, which leaves out the likes of the Cubs, which I don't think we're going to be very close. But I think the next closest team would probably be the Phillies, which is also in the NL East. Like potentially damn near almost three teams in that division would go if there was an expanded field. But I got Padres versus Mets. Angels versus Rays. Uh, I got the Angels winning and the Padres winning. So that gives the Angels the higher seed, which I believe will be the New York Yankees. And then Houston playing the White Sox, Astros versus White Sox. That would be an awesome fucking matchup if that actually happens. Uh, New York probably destroy the Angels. Uh, it reminds me of when the Angels made the playoffs. Uh, we had a really good team, Jared Weaver. Um, Really good offense, and the Yankees destroyed us. It's with A-Rod still there. Uh, we didn't stand a chance. But uh, going on to the, NF or the NFC, in the NL, I have the Padres playing the Dodgers, which that's that's the series, right? If the Padres do have to have the wild card because they don't win the division, they win that, they're probably going to get the Dodgers. If the Padres win the division, LA is going to be in the wild card. They win that, they're probably going to get the Padres. So like this is going to happen, and that's why both teams kept adding because they know this is a chess match, and the Padres are going all for it. And I'm all for the Padres going all for it. Uh, and then I got the Braves versus the Cardinals. The way I got those shaken out is I got the Yankees and the, the White Sox beating the Astros. I got um, the Dodgers beating the Padres and the Braves beating the Cardinals. I really wanted to put the Padres in, but like I said, you look at the talent on paper, the Dodgers are too fucking good. Might be like the deepest, best team I've ever seen on paper since I've been a wherewithal adult in my sports life. Like this team is fucking stacked. Like fuck you, Magic Johnson. Um, so in the championship round, we got Yankees versus White Sox, Dodgers versus Braves. That's must-see TV. A lot of youth, a lot of, lot of experience. Freddie Freeman probably going to be putting up NL MVP numbers again. You got Acuna. You got Ozzy Albies. Uh, that puts my World Series. I got Yankees, Dodgers. I mean, that's big-name market. That's must-see TV. As an Angels fan, I fucking hate it, but I also love it, and I'm not going to not watch. And I got the, the Dodgers running it back. Um the Yankees, if everything goes right, Chapman doesn't get in trouble. He doesn't get suspended. He doesn't get hurt. Uh, Judge and Juan Carlos stay healthy the full season. Garrett Cole regains form. Maybe they can do it, but that's just too many what-ifs for me, so I'm going to go with Dodgers. I'm an analyst. This is business of buckets. You guys are tuning in because you need some advice. you like, Shane, what is this season going to look like? We need our shit. I'm giving it to you. This is what the season's going to look like, all right? Uh, it's the Dodgers. It's too good, so... When I, when I dished out the awards, I got AL MVP. I got Shohei. Put my money on him, right? Put my money where my mouth is. I got Shohei sneakily getting the MVP over Mike Trout, but Mike Trout gets it. Uh, no, one, no one's lost. Uh, NL MVP, I got Mookie Betts. 
I mean, everyone fucking loves Mookie, and if the Dodgers keep winning, he's going to win it. Sorry, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm not happy about it, but that's just how it works. Um, AL Rookie of the Year, I got Randy Rosarina. Fucking love this kid, man. Watching him in the playoffs last year, became an instant fan. I think he's going to have a big year and a big reason why I have the Rays in the, the wild card. And then I have Sixto Sanchez as Rookie of the Year for the Marlins. I have Marlins last. I'll probably finish above that. I'm pos- almost positive. I just couldn't fucking do it. Um, but he's not starting with them, but I'm sure he'll come in and he's going to be dominant. He's got electric stuff. Um, I expect him to do well. And then um, AL Cy Young, I got Shane Bieber. Bieber fever. I think he continues to shred. Poor thing that the Indians aren't as competitive anymore, but he's going to be dealing. And then the NL Cy Young, I think this guy might have one of the best years we've ever seen. Jacob DeGrom for the Mets. I saw something that like one of their scouts was saying like they haven't seen him play this well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I fucking love the guy. He's an animal. Their pitching staff's insane. If Thor was healthy, like, holy shit, like, I'd probably have them further up. But, um, yeah, Jacob DeGrom's going to win the Cy Young. That's my season predictions for you. You want to talk smack? Talk smack. T- tweet me, Instagram, DM, Gmail me. You guys got my socials. You got my YouTube page. It's all listed out there. Everything's in my bios. You know, let's get some fan engagement. If you're baseball fans, let's get this going. The season's going to be crazy, and we got to be grateful. Fans in the stadiums. Baseball's back. It got taken away from us. Like, we got to be grateful that there's games. Let's enjoy it together. I'm excited. I'm so excited because the first season or the first series of the season for my Angels, we got White Sox versus Angels. Well, what does that mean? That means, are the Angels good or not, basically? Like, they get their ass whooped by the White Sox all four games. Like, okay, it's going to be a tough start. We do well, we split or win that series. Like, okay, like, we're looking bright. And the Angels never get Sunday night baseball games. If you guys are baseball fans, you know not a lot of games are televised. It's not like the NBA and NFL where you could watch all these games all the time. Like, if you're a small market team, which Los Angeles isn't small, but they're technically of Anaheim, the Dodgers get all the games, right? And here in Seattle, I I get Mariners games. I don't get Angels games. So that's why I have MLB TV. Uh, But the first Sunday Night Baseball, guess who? White Sox, Angels, and Shohei Otani is going to be starting. Had some blister issues at the end of spring training, which is a little concerning as he's never been healthy. Uh, But that's going to be fucking electric. You guys got to tune in. I know I'm tuning in. I can't wait to see what Otani can do because I think he's going to show the world what's up, what's going on. Uh, and he's got to do it. Like, this is for all the two-way players out there. If he doesn't succeed this year, like, good fucking luck. If he pulls it off, maybe more people can do it. Some other really good series to note to start the season. We got Blue Jays-Yankees. That's a good measuring stick for the Blue Jays. It's going to be a fun divisional battle. That's on ESPN Thursday for opening day. Uh, game starting early going all throughout the day, so I'll definitely be tuning in for that. We have Indians versus Tigers, Orioles versus Red Sox, Twins versus Brewers, two potential wildcard teams there, Pirates versus Cubs, um, Braves versus Phillies on ESPN Plus if you're an ESPN Plus subscriber. If you like to watch baseball, you know, you don't have ESPN Plus, it's a good reason to get it. Even if you just buy it standalone or you bundle it with Disney and Hulu like I do, you can get a lot more games. You know, that's a great game. Braves versus Phillies, good NL battle. Um, you know, it's going to be a great game and divisional battle all season long. Like I'm excited for that. Uh, uh, Diamondbacks versus Padres Dodgers versus Rockies on ESPN in the middle of the day. It's like, why 
the Rockies, like they got rid of Arnando. What the hell? It's just because big market, right? Everyone wants the Dodgers, Magic Johnson, all this money. They're World Series champions. That's why they get it. Pisses me off. But hey, it's on ESPN. Um, Cardinals versus Reds. Rays versus Marlins. Pretty interesting there for me. Uh, Rangers versus Royals. Mets versus Nationals on ESPN. Another divisional battle in that very tough division. I'm excited for the arms there. We got Scherzer versus DeGrom on opening day. Let's fucking go. Uh, That's an amazing battle of the aces. Um, Astros versus Athletics on ESPN. Another good divisional battle. Right, I'm an AL West guy, so I got to tune in for that. Uh, Giants versus Mariners. Kind of a boring series, but I'm going to the Mariners not Thursday on opening day, but I'm going Friday night. Uh, my cousin's husband, 50th birthday, are giving him a little celebration. And then we both got a softball tournament. I pl- we play at 8 a.m. the next day, so can't turn up too much. Uh, but excited to get to the games. There's there's fans at the games, baby. I didn't think Seattle would allow us, but we're getting in there. I'm excited. Um, James Paxton's going to be pitching. He's back in town, so that, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm very intrigued. Nothing like a good night at the ballpark. You know, here early, early spring games are a little chilly at night. Uh, but fuck, dude, like being at a, at a stadium, like I'm going to take it. That's like the, the most out I've been since COVID. Um, other series to look for started next week. I won't go through all of them like I did opening day weekend, but we got Angels versus Astros. Shit, man. Angels starting with White Sox. They got Astros. We're going to find out a lot about us real quick. Uh, Braves versus Nationals. Another divisional battle. It's going to be intense. Uh, Cardinals versus Marlins. Mets versus Phillies, same thing, that same division. These guys are battling it out from the get-go. Rays versus Red Sox. Brewers versus Cubs, two potential wildcard teams. And then Dodgers versus Athletics. The Athletics always surprise. They're like the Rays. They win with pitching and defense. Uh, so you never know. They, they whip the ass of the Dodgers. Uh, you know, I'd be into it. Actually not because they're in our division, but... Hey, some good games. Baseball's back, baby. Let's go. I got softball playing some games. Ready to crank some dingers. Ready to get out there. But before we 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 move on, I will quickly bring up you guys my fantasy baseball team. As I had a little draft action, super pumped. I gave you guys my fantasy basketball team. I'm fucking cleaning house, by the way. If if you if you don't know, now you know. Uh, but this is my squad. We got a 12 team points league. I've been in this league for a bunch of years randomly, brought a couple friends in, just a bunch of LA dudes that I got. I like the, the you know, the way they score it. Uh, they're competitive. They're always involved. They're a fun group of guys. Shit, maybe I'll go to LA uh, and check them out sometime, meet them up for a game. My catcher, you got to have a good catcher in fantasy baseball. If you don't know that, you're fucking up. I got Yasmani Grindal. He's really good team. I like players with good teams that are competitive that you could feed off the energy of that lineup. Well, the White Sox lineup is fucking nasty, and Yasmani Grindal is a really good catcher. He also has first base eligibility, but I like getting catchers a little bit early so I don't have to worry about him for the rest of the year. Jose Abreu, first base, another White Sox. Good team, good lineup. AL MVP last year. Uh, Gliber Torres, this kid's an animal. He's short, st- uh, shortstop and second base eligibility. There's not a lot of depth depth with second baseman. You guys want a good second baseman, you kind of got to go for him. I have Gliber at second, filling that spot. Justin Turner, I've had him for like four years in a row. He's getting closer to getting older. He reminds me of how he took Kendrick. He just keeps playing, keeps playing well for contending teams. Um, I expect him to do well in that Dodger lineup as long as he stays healthy. He's had some health issues position of real need that you want to act quickly on shortstop i did i got trevor story had him last year as well he hits dingers 
Uh, you know, I don't like that Arnando's out of the lineup with him, but I expect him to still get the job done. And then outfield, I mean, there's so many outfielders, man. For me, I like to wait late until the draft to get my outfielders. It's like getting a receiver in NFL and fantasy, NFL fantasy football. Uh, so I got Ramon Laureano. I know him well. He plays for the Athletics. He's a well-rounded guy. Hits high average. Hits dingers. Does it, does it all. I got Juan Carlos Stanton. If you take conservative picks, you got to take risky picks too. You got to have a good mix. mix. And, you know, is Stan risky? Yeah, I mean, he's not healthy, but, I mean, when he plays, he fucking smashes, especially in that ballpark. So I expect him to do much of that. I got Andrew McCutcheon, one of my favorite players for a long time. Uh, he he's looked like he was reinvigorated last year. The Phillies are, you know, still going for it this year. They re-signed a lot of players. So I got my guy McCutcheon. And then I got Shohei Otani as an offensive player. He's only a utility guy as an offensive player, and I also drafted him as a pitcher. You have to draft you know, both Shohei's. I changed my ne- my team name to Show Me The Money, like Shohei, Show Me The Money. Uh, he's my utility. I got A.J. Pollock on the bench, another out- outfielder that I think looked really good in the short season that's going to have a big gear because he was kind of a disappointment coming into the Dodgers. He had been hurt, uh, but I like Pollock. He's consistent. You know, I got some old reliables, so I had to mix it up a little bit. On my bench, I got Cabron Hayes, that third baseman prospect for the the Pirates that looks, you know, pretty electric. They got rid of Josh Bell, but this is supposed to be the next guy to to build the franchise around. I got Lorenzo Kane, another old reliable. Uh, you know, there's 12 teams in here, so you have to go pretty deep. I got Brian Anderson. I think he's really underrated. Third baseman, outfield qualifications. I think he's going to rake in Miami. He did last year. I had him on the uh, uh, waiver wire. He did really well for me. I got Jazz Chisholm Jr. with my last pick. Uh, second base shortstop eligibility. This guy played for the Osprey. Uh, my guy Taylor Rush talks all about him. like He's a fucking stud. Super excited to see what he could bring to an exciting Marlins team. And I was able to swoop him up uh, because I need a second base death behind Gleiber because he's does tend to get hurt. And then my pitching staff is nasty. I got Shane Bieber. He's going to be ALMV, AL Cy Young. I got Jack Flaherty. I think he's going to re, re, redo his form. I got Dylan Bunny and Andrew Heaney, two Angels aces. You know, Andrew Heaney's typically been opening uh, day starter for us. Dylan Bunny's taken that, been really consistent. Both of these guys aren't like throwing gas 100 mile an hour, but they have multiple pitches. If they have good command, they can keep their ERA low and they're low contact hitters. So, you know, I'll, I'll put them in there. I got um, Iglesias, the Angels closer. Love that we got him. We snaked the Reds on that trade. Uh, excited to have him on my fantasy team. Uh, Ryan Presley, closer for the Astros. So you got to have some top level closers early. Uh, Andrew Bass, Mark Melancon, Archie Bradley. These guys are all playing for saves on their, their teams. Bass is with Miami. Melancon's with the Padres. He'll probably not hold on to the closer's job, though. Uh, Archie Bradley, who knows? And then I took a couple risks. I got David Price. He's returning, right? He, he opted out with COVID. Um, if he could pitch anything like he did, my team just is that much better. Uh, Robbie Ray, same thing. You know, he's a high watt guy. He's trying to figure shit out. But if the Blue Jays are going to be that good, they need Robbie Ray to perform. I'm willing to take the risk. He's on my bench. And then I stashed in the IL. I stashed Thor. Like, he's not going to be back for a while, coming back from Tommy John. But that guy throws fucking gas. If he could come back, again, my team's that much better. So that's it. You my, you, you got show me the money. That's my fantasy team. Uh, you know, you got any feedback, let me know. I'll be talking a little bit of fantasy like I did through basketball throughout the, the podcast. You know, this isn't going to be like I have fantasy breakouts or anything. There's so much fucking data on fantasy now. 
But, you know, the way that I go in my show and I talk to you guys about last week games, this week games, like on Sunday, I like, you know, look at box scores every day. I look at the box scores and then for the future week, I see what's happening. And that helps you with fantasy players, like seeing stats all the time. Oh, this guy, the past four days has been popping off. What's going on? Let me look at it. What Yahoo notes or Roto World has to say. If you're a fantasy guy, Roto World should be your best friend. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll dive too much into fantasy. Like even real baseball fans, like I don't know a lot of people that play fantasy baseball. You have to be a real diehard for that. It's a lot of fucking work. Uh, but I love it. That's my team. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the gold this year. I got bronze last year. It pisses me off. Uh, but fuck yeah, dude. Baseball's back. High five to that. I'll be repping. Uh, Supercross news. The next race isn't until April 10th. Uh, so we got you know they're kind of in that little final break. Uh, there's three in Atlanta. We got that Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday action, and then two in Salt Lake. Webb with the 15-point advantage. He beat Ken Roxon the past couple races. Even two races ago, Ken Roxon had the lead almost the whole fucking race. Kenny's got to get it back. Let's go. I'm on the Honda hype train. We got the Lawrence brothers. We got Ken Roxon. I want him to get the job done. It's going to be a fun finish. I wish I could go see him in Salt Lake. Um, and then our couple segments for you. My non-story story. Well, this might be a little bit of a story, but unless you watch Sean O'Malley's ESPN interview, you just don't know. Uh, my non-story story for this week, Sean O'Malley said in his interview, they said, you always say you're mentally undefeated. This is a the thing they knock people because he's always tweeting, I'm undefeated, I didn't lose. He did lose to Cheeto Vera. He kicked him. The big toe hit him in the nerve in his leg, gave him drop leg. His, his leg was done. Uh, Cheeto ended up uh, TKOing him or whatever. Uh, but to Sean, it's like, I whipped his ass. Like I'm mentally undefeated. It doesn't matter. And people said, well, where, where did you come from? Where does this come from? And he said, well, I consulted with the sugar state athletic commission and it, they wiped out the loss. They, they consulted my record and wiped it out. I thought that shit was hilarious. The, the things that he does, like that's on ESPN. That's a national fucking audience. And that's probably why he was on the Pat McAfee show and why he's going to be a superstar in the sport. Shit like that. He's just genuinely, genuinely himself, small kid from you know, kid from small town in Montana. I love to see it. That's my non-story story. And then my best sports take of the week. We talked about John Jones and Ganu. I typically don't agree with DC on things, uh, but DC stepped up and he said, if you guys think John Jones is scared to be uh, fighting Francis and Ganu, you're fucking crazy. Like John Jones is a fucking man child. He's done things that I've never seen. He obviously beat me. Um, like he's not scared of Ganu. So if you think that, get that out of your head. And I agree, DC. That's where it's at. Get that shit out of your head. That's not what's going on. Um, but yeah, that's my sports take of the week. Me and DC, we're on the same page. Before we let you go, don't forget Business and Buckets, episode 16, brought to you by Field Supplements. Hey, you guys are buying supplements. You need proteins. You need workouts, pre-workouts. You need recovery. You need your BCAs. You need your freaking multivitamins, your fat burners, whatever. Field Supplements has you covered. You got all the links in my socials, but go to fieldsupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 20% off. That's it. See you guys next week.